Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network, and we hope we're just what you needed. Oddity Files. All things creepy, cryptic, otherworldly. Fair. That, that's close enough. <laughs> One of those is going to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> Off to a good start. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be a good one. I, I don't think we could honestly outdo last week's episode, though. It's, again, is one of my favorites. And I don't even remember what we, talk, what we talked about. But I remember when we left, I'm like, that's seriously one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Same. I can't wait for that one to come out <laughs> now that we're a week ahead. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm. So what's new with you, Nick? Oh, we're For, just... So the listeners that are sitting here listening to Oddity Files, the podcast, <laughs> will know what's going on in the world of Nick Floyd. I was going to say, what a, I wasn't ready, uh, but here we are. We're diving right in. Um, yeah. Not a lot's going on. I uh, On my quest of like sparkling waters and stuff, so if you're watching on Patreon... You have probably noticed that I drink a lot of sparkling water while we podcast, and I haven't really felt like going to the Kroger's recently, so I've been going to Publix, but Publix doesn't carry my favorite sparkling water, which is ugly, so okay. I got wa- I've got I've gotten Waterloo before, and I haven't had the lemon-lime flavor, and I, I'm, I'm cracking into it just now for the first time. It's the first time I've ever had it. And I had some fruit snacks before oh, we podcasted. Oh, breaking news, people. Oh, yeah, breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> I had some, I, like, scarfed down some fruit snacks before we podcast, and I, I took a sip of this lemon-lime, and it was, uh, like, divine. <laughs> I mean. Oh, was it? I thought you were going to say it tasted like ass. No, it was, uh. It was unbelievable. So it's a nice pairing with a good fruit snack. Yeah, I, you know, if you're going to pair uh, Waterloo, lemon, lime, sparkling water, if you need to pair it with something, I highly recommend pairing it with Mott's 100% real fruit fruit snacks. I, I get that all the fruit is 100% real fruit. Did you ever did you ever think about labeling? I do all the time. Oh, yeah, like every day of my 100% life. 100% natural meat. Well, of course it's natural meat. That doesn't tell me anything. Looking right now at this, the back of this can. Naturally flavored. So the ingredients are carbon, purified carbonated water. Great, sweet, good for my body. And then natural flavors. That's it. Zero percent juice, nothing. Natural flavors of the trough at the local baseball men's urinal. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> What's like? What's the the the, the famous uh, spam situation that like spam is mechanically separated chicken, and everyone's like, "Oh, okay, spam is actually chicken." Uh, part of what they use are chicken buttholes, uh, apparently. Oh, yeah. allegedly. Well, I thought spam was <laughs> pork shoulder and ham. That's where you get the spam. Maybe. The fuck. I don't know. I just know it's delicious. It's it is delicious, but it's like the leftover parts of the chicken. That, and this this I I feel like is a myth, but in the ingredients, mechanically separated chicken is basically clarifying 
that what you get in spam are just the leftover bits they can't do anything with. So it's the chicken lips and the chicken assholes. Yep. And the chicken armpits. Basically. But it's delicious. So as long as everything is go- getting used... I mean, nothing goes to waste. It's We're trying to prevent waste. That's why people like me think there should be a, an all-spam, all-the-time restaurant. Someone, somebody, somebody's got to be an entrepreneur <laughs> who listens to this show. I need an all-spam, all-the-time restaurant. I feel like... Sides can be Doritos, Fritos, <laughs> and I don't know, something else. Cheetos. Got to go with that O's theme. And, uh, yeah, bourbon. That's it. Bourbon? (laughs) Just throwing it in there? Yeah. Gotta be Kentucky bourbon. Fair. I feel like that is a good pairing. Uh, bourbon (laughs) and spam. (laughs) That's the name of this episode. Bourbon and spam. Bourbon and spam. Right out of the gate. Five minutes in and we've already got a name. It's been a hot minute since it's come that early. So, good for... Look at the good we do. So we'll you're, you're trying new sparkling water. I got nothing going on around here. I, oh, haunted doll update. Oh, yes, please. She's in the closet. Still. Um, did I put her in the closet last time? Mm-hmm. Or was I talking about putting her in the closet? She was in the closet at that point last okay. week. Okay. Well, I, when I go down and smoke, yeah, I started smoking again. I know I quit this summer. It's really hard. People don't <laughs> fucking judge me. I went downstairs in the basement on the on a little walk-up patio downstairs to have a cigarette. And I've got this little space heater out there. And I had the dogs with me. And I came back in. I made sure the the heater was off. And then I come back in, and Luna's looking at me really weird. And I'm like, oh, I should probably check the door. So I walked up to the door, and I deadbolted it. And we walk back upstairs. And I specifically remember that situation with Luna looking at me, looking at the door, looking at me, looking at the door. So I went and I put the deadbolt on. Three hours later, I feel this super cold draft just wafting at me. I can't figure out what the hell it is. And and, and like I'm ghost hunting. I've got my hands out. I'm like... Where is this coming from? Do you, honey, do you feel this cold spot right here in our living room? And I follow it down to the stairway downstairs. The door had completely opened to the outside. Oh, shit. So I don't know. And I was watching something on Discovery Plus about ghosts. (laughs) Surprise. And um, there was this thing about this lady who was under so much stress that she caused her own poltergeist activity. So now I'm trying, I've been a little stressed out lately. I know I don't show it on the show. I try to reel it all in for y'all because I love you so much. But I'm wondering, because after that, after I realized that that's the thing, nothing has happened. Oh. So maybe it wasn't the doll who's still in the closet, I might add. Yeah. Maybe it was me. Because I'm like, bitch, get your shit straight, mellow the fuck out, let's see if that's what it was. I don't know. <laughs> I kept telling myself, no, that's opportunity just blowing its way into my house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you just keep telling yourself that, good things will happen, right? Something's got to work at this point. <laughs> Mind over matter is what, uh, Bill, yeah. is what Bill Nye taught me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's the update on Annette. I still need to pull out the spirit box and 
the ad box and I want to sit down and do like a little session with her for the Patreon page via that. So I can figure out if it was me or if it was her. <laughs> She's like, that's me telling you to let me the fuck in. Let me back in. The- <laughs> Get me out of this closet. It's cold. Oh, yeah. So other than that, not a whole lot going on here. I've How's your editing going? Uh, editing is going good. Uh, we're taking a break from it for a little bit. Um, we have to do some some pickup shots. So we have to get back together and get three shots that we need. Hopefully doing that in the next couple weeks. And then I think what we're going to do is while we're all together anyway, and we have a camera and sound and stuff, I think we're going to shoot something else. And just do oh, it and put it, put it online. So, yeah. Hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully something comes soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been a process, but hopefully I can drop something in the uh, in the Facebook groups soon in the coming weeks. It's just a little teaser once we get things looking and sounding better because all you know, it's all process, long process. Yes, yeah. it is. But preaching to the <laughs> choir, and you're a much better editor than I am, so I can only imagine what your process is like. <laughs> I too have been editing my little heart out. Um, and I think I'm just going to drop an episode of my new show online here soon. Oh, shoot. By the time this comes out, I'm sure it will be up. So follow Paranormal X Road on all the stuff and all the things for Paranormal Crossroad. Um, yeah, the uh, investigation I did at my friend KJ's house. The evidence was insane. Like, like I don't want to give too much away, but like her dad, who she had like tumultuous relationship with most of their lives together, came over apologizing to her. Oh, wow. Um, her grandmother came through. Her mother came through via spirit medium, Tiffany Rice. So I said, you know what? Jeez. Let's just throw this up and... If you guys like it, you have to let me know. And and I will go forward with this. Um, but if you don't, don't keep it to yourself. Just say meh in comments. Just put meh and, and, and I'll know. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best critique is meh. That's, yeah. I, I've learned so yeah. much from that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Nick, I will send you the link. And when we're oh, we hear that, folks? That. I get it first. Mm-hmm. Well, Patreon members, upper echelon Patreon members got the first upper look. Upper echelon. And of course, KJ. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And some things that didn't even make it into the episode uh, about her sister. Her sister was having some problems. Everything of all the evidence we got, plus Tiffany's spirit medium reading, all came true. So, wow. there you go. Well, I'm, I'm here for I'm kinda it. Kind of digging it. Yeah, I'm Bring super it on. excited. Got to pitch. Got to pitch it over to D- Discovery Plus. They're probably looking for all of the shows. Well, I mean, here here's the deal. It's like when I, when I had Carter and Clayton with me, I had all the camera angles. You know what I'm saying? Now it's me, and I hand a camera to these people who've never held a camera before. <laughs> and one of my cameras was possessed. I have to send it off to Canon. Because it would record whenever the fuck it wanted to, and sometimes it just didn't. That all happened at KJ's house as well. (laughs) Oh, no. 
So, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to pitch it to a production company. So if anybody out there wants to wants wants paranormal shit, I got you. OK, I'm going to cut that out. But I digress. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about the big news, Nick, about the, the big, the man. big, big news. Yes. But first, we're going to send it over to Ms. Fortune Astrology <laughs> so that she can tell us. All the shits that's going to go wrong next week. Because you know what? She just does not fucking hold back. I love her. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Misfortune Astrology here with your weekly energy forecast. Next week is busier than last, with an aspect perfecting almost every day. This weekend, Venus rules the sky. She was fashionably late to the party in Aquarius, so now she's here making the rounds. Venus can join Saturn today at 5 degrees of Aquarius, squares Uranus tomorrow at 6 degrees, and sextiles Chiron at 6 degrees of Aries tomorrow as well. She's really getting around. An active Venus brings our love life, money, or value system into focus. The conjunction with Saturn today means it might be time to get serious about one of these things, or it may manifest as a loss or frustration. On the positive side, love or financial commitments can be solidified now. Her square to Uranus tomorrow can immediately upend those commitments though. This aspect challenges the stability of love and finances, so stay flexible. Steady relationships can benefit from a little extra excitement in the air, but couples who are on their last legs will feel the need to break free now. Remember Mercury is retrograde, so acting rashly can come back to bite you later. Take this time to really think about your situation and put off any major decisions until mid-March. Venus's sextile to Chiron says that you can use adversity to your advantage and feel your own healing if you're so inclined. Mercury retrograde will have a lot to say to us next week. On Monday the 8th, we reach the midpoint of his retrograde cycle when he conjoins the sun at 20 degrees of Aquarius. This is known as the Kazimi, which is an Arabic word that means heart of the sun. If ever there was a day when the lesson of this particular retrograde would be illuminated for you, this would be it. Sun conjunct Mercury shines the spotlight on some key piece of information that is meant to help you along on your journey. It can also show up in the form of a messenger or a flash of intuition. On Wednesday the 10th, Mercury squares Mars. This aspect causes quick thinking, but not always of the good variety. Tempers and aggression are more likely. You may find yourself rushing to judgment or speaking out of turn. It will be difficult, but really try to zip your lip, because open hostility is almost guaranteed with this energy around. This square is a repeat aspect due to Mercury's retrograde. It hit the first time on January 8th, so think back to that time because there is a theme building. It will hit for the third and final time on March 17th. Finally, on Thursday the 11th, we have a new moon at 23 degrees of Aquarius. New moons are a great time for setting intentions in the area of life where they perfect. These intentions will be ripe for manifestation during the full moon in Aquarius, which happens this year on August 22nd. Thursday promises to be a lovely day overall because we have the Venus-Jupiter conjunction taking place at 12 degrees of Aquarius in addition to the new moon. Venus and Jupiter are the benefit planets, which means that left to their own devices, they present in a benevolent manner 100% of the time. So when they get together once a year or so, it tends to be a time when blessings abound. Get out there and enjoy them. If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneastrology.com. I offer many different types of tarot and astrology readings, and you can also help support my small business by checking out my shop, where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For daily horoscopes and plenty of inappropriate humor, come find me on social media at misfortune1111. Ciao for now. And we're back. So, the big news. 
Are you ready? Yes. So the head, I mean, everybody has to have heard this because everybody is tagging me in it. I'm sure they are you as well. Oh, yeah. The headline is Oklahoma State Representative Files Bill to Create a Bigfoot Hunting Season. Okay, Oklahoma, chill the fuck out. The article says this. As newspaper columnist Dave Barry might say, we're not making this up. This is from ABC News 7 from my kind of town, Chicago. An Oklahoma state representative has filed a bill calling for the creation of a, quote, Bigfoot, unquote, hunting season. Representative Justin Humphrey filed House Bill 1648 on Wednesday, which would draft rules, dates, hunting licenses, and fees to catch the exclusive creatures, according to KOCO-TV. The Southeast Oklahoma Lawmakers Bill calls for the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to begin the process, but didn't provide any other direction or specifics. And I'm not going to read anymore. Because I'm pissed. I'm sure you are, too. Oh, I am. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence here because I want more details. Uh, I also know that there are many uh, BFROs in existence in the United States. And I feel like wildlife preservation and stuff like that is important. But I feel like if you're going to do this and acknowledge that the thing you're hunting is a... Like, if, you igno- if, if, if you're putting a bill forward then you can't just say, like, here's a bill for something that's not real. You're clearly acknowledging that it exists, one. Truth. Uh, and two, if you're acknowledging its existence, why are you not partnering with a research organization to find out the best practices of how to capture this thing? Are you going to kill it? Are you? Is it a catch-and-release scenario? Like, what are we talking about here? From what I, I'm thinking is it's okay to kill Bill, Bigfoot is what I'm seeing when I read that headline. See, when I was a little girl and I would ask my parents why it's okay for people to shoot these sweet little adorable deer out there, they said overpopulation. Oh. Big feet are not overpopulated in any way, shape, or form. Or are they? Maybe in Oklahoma they are. I mean, but I, I need to see this overpopulation. Yeah, I mean, I do too. It's... The, the silver lining of it all is in the hunting world. I, I don't own uh, guns. I've, I am not a hunter. Uh, I have some friends who are. But in the hunting world, the, the, the game, so to speak, is to travel around and look for like the prize, the, the big game, the, the rare, the, the, the white rhinos and this lion or this species of that's that's it that is like the hunter's dream and not in america uh, maybe to find like the one thing i mean even if it's not something that's that you that you have to like fly to a different country for so the big sport game hunters that have to pay for the flights and this and that in the u.s it's finding that one animal that would look cool mounted on a wall or it's, it's that, that prize. And so if you're sending all these hunters to chase after this thing that is super elusive, I feel like the hunting everything else will probably stop for a while. You'd think. And then the deers will be really overpopulated. Yeah. So then we're just going to get overrun by deers and have like a deer apocalypse because all, all the hunters are going to be busy trying to <laughs> trying to hunt Bigfoot. 
Right. I'm I'm livid. I am so and I'm I'm trying to put this as PC as po- as possible. <laughs> so all races are equal in my eyes. I believe they should be in everybody else's. Bigfoot's a fucking race, okay? <laughs> don't don't pick on this guy because it's not okay to be your racist ass Nazi ass self anymore. It's kind of the way I look at it. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, to, there's a there's an ethical line that I think needs to be discussed that isn't being discussed, and it's that you're how many things are hunters hunting that are bipedal that walk on two that stand upright and walk on two legs? How like can you name anything yeah. that walks on two legs that people hunt in the United States? No. I don't even think you can, like, hunt gorilla anywhere in the world. Yeah, you can't go out in the forest and hunt an ape. Like, you can't go out and kill a gorilla. But, again, I mean, if you're out to to hunt Bigfoot, a very close-to-human-like creature, where is the line? if you checked his DNA, we would be similar. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, it's it's definitely playing with fire because I mean you're pissing off a community of people who who really care and love Bigfoot and cryptids and all that. But the the biggest ethical question is if so if you're if you're putting if we're talking in hypotheticals, I mean this really isn't a hypothetical because it's a real thing that's being put forward this this bill. But if you put this bill forward and it passes, if people go out and hunt, if someone kills a Bigfoot. And if there are more Bigfoot revealed than we know, and people just start offing these Bigfoot, does it raise the ethical question of, are we basically allowing humans to kill other humans in a way? <laughs> yeah, it sounds insane. But. Literally. That's the way I'm seeing it. Yeah. It's, it's So you've got white, you've got brown, you've got, you know, all the colors in the rainbow of humans. This one's just got fur. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Human. It's so interesting. The infuriating part is, okay, cool, they're going to go get, kill him, whatever. That's that's infuriating. But what is truly infuriating is that there are so many... There's been years and years and years of the people saying, this could be the missing link, this could be this, this could be that. This could provide so many answers to so many questions. And... Yet, instead of acknowledging and investing money and funding into organizations that can do this and be taken seriously, you're... And not kill him. Yeah, and not kill, you're releasing a bill that's like, hey, we're going to acknowledge that he's real, sure, uh, but you can hunt him because that does us so much good. I see it as some politician who wants his name... On the news. Free press. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And let me let me see if I got a picture of him in this news article. Because talk about the stereotypical <laughs> what I was talking about earlier. It's this guy. No, there's no picture in it. I don't know. I just, yes, I feel like they're acknowledging that Bigfoot might be real. But if it is a publicity stunt, fuck him and the horse he rode in on with that ugly ass 10-gallon hat. I, I I adore like Bigfoot is my life. I adore it. It's I, I love the story. I love the ideas of both it being real and it being fake. I'm here for all of it. And there's a, a very small part of me, and I and I 
I probably speak to a couple listeners who <laughs> agree that if it takes a deceased Bigfoot to uh, shed light on potentially more that are living and breathing, then, I mean, I don't support it, but I'm also, okay, do it. Get it done. Nick! I'm just... How dare you? Every time in history when it's happened. Honestly, if you think about it too, was it ever illegal to kill a Bigfoot? I mean, there's people that have claimed to have killed Bigfoot. I think the last cruise I was on, there was like this tape released of this man caught a Bigfoot and it's dead and here's his severed head. And nobody was like, oh, it's against the law to kill Bigfoot. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so pissed yeah. that some jack wagon <laughs> is using our, our beloved Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, Yowie, whatever you want to call our dear friend, as publicity for his ugly fucking ass in Oklahoma. Nothing against Oklahoma. I know several people there. It is a lovely state. But that guy can fuck the fuck right off. Yeah, it is. I mean, just saying. At the end of the day, it, if, from our perspective, we're looking at it for what it is, and it is the acknowledgement of the existence of this cryptid that we've we've known and loved. But from a, if you really pull away, you really pull away, you're uh, signing a bill into law in a state for something that you've never acknowledged existed, you've never acknowledged was even legal or illegal to kill or capture, and you're sending people out to kill something that you didn't even acknowledge existed in the first place. So yes, to bring it all home and to hit exactly on what you just said a couple minutes ago. Yeah. I do think it's just publicity to be like, Oklahoma, we have Bigfoot on our shirts. Let's go ahead and do this thing. Um, to, to boost tourism. I think it's going to boost tourism. Honestly. Oh, that's yeah. That's a very good point. So I don't know. I just, am. I mean, yes, it gives us good fodder, excellent paranormal in the news for things like this. But I feel like most of the world doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's going to get lost in the mix. So why aren't why aren't they like making bills for things that are you know more productive? I guess I I don't know. This guy apparently has nothing else. He must have just been elected, and he's like, I'm going to make a big news with this new Bigfoot hunting bill and. What the fuck ever? Yeah. Okay. The 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 open acknowledgement, the the same ripple across the board. Putting this bill forward is is, yeah, cool. We're gonna make the news, but also just saying on camera that Bigfoot exists would also make the news. You know, it's the same story either way. You're just, it's how you spin it and that's how it's spun. And so he's trying not to look crazy or whatever by saying you can hunt them, but I'm not gonna say they're real. But you can hunt them. Come visit Oklahoma, city of state of Bigfoot. <laughs> I just want to punch a fucker in the face. That's all I know. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so there you have it. There's our paranormal in the news that went exactly how I figured it would. What a so whirlwind! I didn't have a whole lot to talk about at the start of things because I knew this would go on yeah. for a hot minute. Um, it did half yeah. the podcast. <laughs> half the podcast. 
But I've got a story. Do you have a story? I also have a story. That's me stalling, trying to figure out if I go first. I think I do. Uh, I don't. I I literally, even though I last last week's episode, I had so much fun doing. I don't even remember what story I told. I don't remember what story I told either. I really have no idea. Um, let me let me check that real quick, just so. I feel like you went first last week, sure, but I don't remember. Sure. I just blacked out. <laughs> I don't even know what story I did. I'm looking at my desktop for for anything that I've written. Oh, Nothing oh, there. Uh, Okay, so yes, Green Man went first. That means I went first last week. Last week, so it's your turn to go first. <laughs> we'll cut all that out. Oh my lord. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want to hear a story? I cannot wait to hear a story. Please take my mind off this jack wagon from Oklahoma, please. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll do my best to. So this actually, this is a very long story. The The story that I'm getting ready to tell is not a long story. The story as a whole is a very long story that I have basically condensed in my head <laughs> uh, and I'm pulling from three different articles plus a Wikipedia page. So Perfect, because mine's kind of short. So great. I have fodder to go with it just in case. Yes. So if there's anything that I leave out, please feel free to ask the questions. But I'm basically just going to go um, uh, chronologically in the order because this is just – it's just a crazy, crazy story that spans multiple years. It's wild. So – Can't wait. Let's dive in here. So first, I'm just going to give a rundown of this specific thing and why it's crazy, and then I'll break down some of the details so I'm not taking you through this very lengthy journey of who said what and who did when and yada, yada, yada. So this specific story is interesting, not because of the possessions involved uh, of the upwards to 27 nuns that were possessed, not because of the borderline wizardry of a parish priest But it's crazy because this priest allegedly signed a deal with the devil. (laughs) Oh, snap. And what makes this really interesting is this deal with the devil has been documented and is a very real tangible thing that was presented as evidence for this priest's trial in the 1600s. Yeah, so that immediately uh, was was very interesting. So this this specific story was actually documented in a book uh, it written in the fifties called "The Devils of Ludon," and the story goes just a little something like this that I'm going to fly through. So the Ludon possessions were among the most notable and scandalous episodes of demonic possession in France in the 17th century. Now it says the most scandalous notable of the 17th century in France. I think that's actually providing a disservice. I think this is one of the most scandalous demonic possession stories I've ever heard in my life. Oh, period. (laughs) So, uh, it was alleged that a parish priest named Urbane Grandier, which I'm probably fucking up, had made a pact with the devil, uh, 
and how it was discovered that he made this pact with the devil was a group of Ursuline nuns came forward claiming that they had been sexually assaulted by Urbane, but it wasn't that that was... It was it was a concerning thing that happened, but what else they had to say was baffling at the time. They said that along with the assault, they were visited and possessed by the devil. Oh my god. Which is... It's just crazy. Uh, their symptoms included fits, convulsions, and speaking in tongues. Over a, a period of several years, exorcisms were performed, during which nuns barked, screamed blasphemies, and acted out obscene contortions. Very similar to The Exorcist, the movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I had to clarify that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, as hysteria around the episodes increased, public exorcisms were performed. They became something of a tourist attraction at the time, drawing curious spectators to Ludon. Um, several witches were tortured along with Urbane himself, who was burnt at the stake in August of 1634. So that's just all of it in a nutshell. And, uh, and I'm going to break down each little piece leading up to this insane pact with the devil. Uh, <laughs> So I can't wait to see what his signature looked like. It, well, the crazy thing is, is there are actually signatures uh, and symbols from not just the devil himself, uh, Leviathan, Astroth, Satan, Lucifer. Oh, I was kidding. Oh, no, it's very like these. They have signed the document. <laughs> it's fucking oh, insane. Fuck. <laughs> it's, pretty, yeah, it's insane. So uh, real quick about Urbane. He was born in 1590. He was a French Catholic priest who, yes, was burned at the stake after being convicted of witchcraft following the events of the so-called Ludon possessions. Uh, he came to Ludon around 1630, um, and in 1632, a group of nuns from a local Ursuline in Ludon uh, accused him of having bewitched them sending the demon Asmodai, among others, to commit evil and impudent acts with them. And so Ludon was a crazy place. In the early 1630s, the crown, uh, which was Louis, and I'm terrible at... Uh, at uh, we'll go with Vuitton. We'll say Louis Vuitton. He actually ordered <laughs> walls <laughs> around Ludon, uh in France to be demolished. So there were walls that were built. The walls came down. And when the walls came down, it actually, uh, an outbreak of plague hit Ludon, which claimed many lives in 1632, which is kind of similar to what's happening right now in our world. But well, just slightly. The, the plague created uh, an atmosphere of anxiety and tension and apprehension that just completely divided this town. And so Urbane had tried to infiltrate uh, and really claim stake in his own name to become a uh, preacher. And so he was like, well, what better place to do it than Ludon? Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, shit show already. It's, it's a shit show. Everyone's uh, plagued and all this stuff. So... Uh, the Ursuline convent had been open since in uh, since 1626, and uh, in 1632, Prioress Jean de Anges, which I'm probably saying wrong, presided 
over 17 nuns whose average age was 25. The first reports of alleged demonic possession began about five months after the outbreak uh, outbreak of the plague in 1632 as it was winding down, which was an interesting time. Uh, While physicians and wealthy property owners had left town, Others attempted to isolate themselves. The convents had shut themselves behind walls. The nuns discontinued receiving parlor visitors. And uh, our, our buddy Urbane came to visit the sick and give money to the poor in hopes to infiltrate the convent in uh, 1632. Double just... entendre there. I get it. <laughs> um, so Urbane had allegations that were coming out about him in the town when a group of nuns accused him of sending the demon into them and uh, performing acts upon them, which at the time people thought was just anxious and afraid. And this was what happened. And so it was basically transcribed that Urbane was the one. It wasn't the demon. It was Urbane who was the demon who was performing these acts upon this group of nuns. Okay, so the nuns were saying that it was somebody other than him, or that he was possessed by them. He was. Uh, they were saying that it was a demon that he sent to them to uh, okay. commit evil acts with them and upon them, which is, it's just all, I mean, the whole thing, this whole case is just so, so insane, and there's just so much little moving pieces and names and all this stuff. But again, what comes down to it is the investigation, which led to the discovery of this specific pact he made with the devil, which is just, it, yeah, it's insane. So he was eventually taken in for questioning after he had brought in, he had a prior um, issue that he was actually sentenced for. I'm not really sure what it was. It was something he was doing something, lewd uh, years before and so because he had that on his record they'd had no problem taking him in after almost a week of it happening the uh, the investigators deemed Urbane as a magician saying that he was responsible for all these terrible things that were happening to these nuns and so Urbane filed a petition stating that his reputation was under attack and that the nuns should be confined. So he's pissed about it. Okay. Which is <laughs> just, just insane. That so sounds case, like yeah. people today, you yeah. know, blame anybody but yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the investigators came to him, said, hey, you're wrong. You did this fucked up thing. And he said, no, I didn't do anything wrong. You did something wrong by telling me I did something wrong. We should confine these nuns. I need to speak to a manager <laughs> is what he said next. <laughs> exactly. So the Archbishop of Bordeaux intervened and ordered the nuns sequestered upon which the appearances of possession seemed to subside for a time. So when they were actually separated from Urbane, the possession seemed to go away, which is very interesting. Sounds like it's him to me. (laughs) Yeah. So Urbane went on to write a book attacking the discipline of the clerical celibacy as well as a scathing satire of the cardinal. So he just went on basically being like, you don't understand. This is my life's work. I've done nothing wrong. You're insane. I'm just here to help. Okay. And all of that led to him 
being put on trial, which is it's just about fucking time. Yeah. So he basically put himself, got himself put on trial for basically just running his mouth and being an asshole, like you do. The crazy thing is that he he arrived in Ludon in 1632. He was put on trial in uh, in 1634. So he had gotten away with it for this long. Wow. As he was on trial, they had enough evidence. It did last over two and a half months. The trial. The trial did, yeah. Okay. And it was very clear that it, it, he had done something. He had done something wrong. And you know, I'd like to see how a trial goes down in the sixteen hundreds. I yeah. thought the judge just looked at him and went, "Burn him." Pretty much. I feel like that's exactly. It's like the Salem witch trials. So Urbane, who was held uh, at a prison, returned to Ludon. The nuns were interrogated. Exorcisms were performed, and. He was found guilty of sorcery and placing evil spells to cause the possession of the Ursuline nuns. And uh, what do you get? Do you go to jail? No, you get burned at the stake, which is what he had to suffer. You know, I'd rather be hanged. I'm not going to lie. Well, Injection, anything but that. That sounds awful. It's so interesting because they the atonement which which with which he suffered, it wasn't just like ah we're just gonna put you on a stake and and I mean these courts like they knew so in the actual uh, document of the the trial they said quote that his head bare a rope around his neck holding in his hand a burning taper weighing two pounds before the principal door of the church of St. Pierre du Marc, March, and before that of St. Ursula of this town. There on his knees to ask pardon of God, the king, and the law. This done, he is to be taken to the public square of St. Croix and fastened to a stake on a scaffold, which shall be erected on the said place for this purpose, and there to be burned alive and his ashes scattered to the wind. <laughs> like, Oh my God. That's the craziest shit. So basically, like, with him being evil, them burning him in the place that caused these 20-plus possessions of these nuns, burning him there would basically uh, be where he needs to lie for eternity in order to protect the town. This is their perspective, which sounds like witchcraft in its own right, but... Um, yeah, it sounds like that's how he would curse the town, but th that's just me. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, before I read this uh, <laughs> this pact with the devil that was discovered, uh, it was alleged and then it was presented at the trial, which basically sealed the deal that this fucker needed to die. When he was being executed, the executioner thought, okay, we won't burn you alive, we'll just strangle you. And as the executioner was going to strangle him, the flames that were present of the two-pound thing that was lit or whatever, he had, it actually sprang up with such violence that the rope caught fire and he burned alive. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So he just, it, things didn't look good for him ever. Uh, no, never. I, ever. I need to know more about this document, why he signed this deal. Please tell me you have those deets. I do have the document, and this will wrap thing up. So the doc wrap everything up. So the document was was interesting. It was actually written in backwards Latin. So it was in Latin, written backwards, which was interesting. 
Um, oh, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> it, it, it's been published and translated in, in a number of books on witchcraft. The document also carries many strange symbols and was signed by several demons, including Satan himself. Deciphered and translated in, in English, uh, this is what was written and signed. We, I'm, I'm actually scared to say this out loud. Uh, I didn't oh. think about that. But Do you have Sage? <laughs> I don't have Palo Santo. Anything? <laughs> I don't have. Open anything. a window. <laughs> okay, I need to open a window. Shit. Uh, <laughs> we, the influential Lucifer, the young Satan, Beelzebub, Leviathan, Elimi, and Astaroth, together with others, have today accepted the uh, covenant pact of Urbane Grandier, who is ours. And him do we promise the love of women, the flower of virgins, the respect of monarchs, honors honors lusts and powers he will go whoring three days long the carousel will be dear to him he offers us once in the year a seal of blood under the fleet he will trample the holy things of the church and he will ask us many questions with this pact he will live 20 years happy on the earth of men and will later join us to sin against god bound in hell in the council of demons signed all of these demons and that was the pact and it was for 10 years uh, it was for uh, 20 years. 20 years. And, I mean, is that when he was, was it 20 years when he was set on fire? I, I need to know these things. Oh, he was set on fire, like, pretty quickly after. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> after he died. Uh, it was 34 when uh, when it happened. So 32. So okay. he lived a good two years with the, with the specific pact in place. And, okay. uh well, sucks for him. He he had he had the good life ahead of him. <laughs> Apparently, those demons weren't all they were cracked up to be. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's so fascinating. I mean, this case was so interesting because again, like I, I found this case, uh, because I found the letter. It was just sort of down. It was the the pact, and and it was so interesting. The case goes on and on. I mean, there have been multiple books about about it, multiple movies written about it, or books written about it, movies made about it. So if you want to read the whole story, I recommend reading the whole story. But the highlight was the the piece of factual uh, evidence in existence that was this pact um, that has sort of been uh, what makes this case so interesting over time. So does that document still exist? Do you? Know? I don't know if it exists as a raw thing, but it is scanned. I mean, the the what I'm looking at right now is from the college. Um, Columbia College University in New York, uh, and this is from their library, and I'm looking at a scanned photo of this strange document written in backwards Latin. You'll have to send that to me so I can put it on the Instagram. Oh, I will send it. It's very high quality, so if anyone wants to, to look at it, they can. But uh, yeah, my information came from Wikipedia and the uh, College of Columbia in New York. That's awesome. that. that honestly, I'd seen a little bit about this on the mysteries at the museum with my guy, Don Wildman. Uh, um, and I've actually had it on my list of things to write about for over two years now. So oh, thank shit. you for finally taking that off my list. I didn't know all that detail about the nuns and the rape and this and that and the other um, demon rape, apparently. I, that's the way I took it. Um, but yeah, it's something that intrigued me. I'm like, a priest signs a deal with a devil and blah, 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 blah. So thank you. That was awesome. Oh, oh, it was a mess. But you know what? 
thanks for sticking with me on the journey. I, I, I like in right in, like I was starting to write it and I was like, no, I know the pieces here and that because it was just, I mean, every story that's been published online is just, I mean, we're talking like novel worthy in length there. Cause there wow. are just so many moving parts of this French investigator and this and that I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to give you the spark notes. And if you want more, um, you know, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out bones coffee company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot, of Bones Coffee Company coffee. They want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash Bones Coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there. And this store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time and we kind of love our pets a little too much just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time, streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. 
I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash getshutter. tinyurl.com slash getshutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. No, your story was amazing. Oh. Um, the only thing that was wrong was, you know, my technical difficulties, <laughs> which we're going to blame on the haunted doll or my poltergeist that I'm activity that I'm causing telekinetically. But um, let me just tell you a fucking story. Okay. <laughs> so last week I tried to give the new Netflix series Surviving Death a shot. And in all honesty, watching the first episode, I turned it off just minutes in. Yes, me. Um, from what I saw, I was about to hear a tale of a woman who had died from a whitewater rafting accident. And while I love murder shows, shows like I Survived just really give me the heebie fucking jeebies. I have no idea why, but hearing the firsthand stories of near-death experiences gives me more anxiety than hearing a story of how somebody was actually murdered. So we'll just chalk it up to, I'm a freak, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, Aren't we all? <laughs> last night, I just went ahead and went to the second episode because I heard they covered ectoplasm. And I always thought ectoplasm was a made-up word for the Ghostbusters movies. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know it was a real thing. I didn't know it was something that manifests. Um, but it does. It, I guess it is a real thing. And But it can't be photographed or filmed. So I'm not really sure if it is really a real thing or not. Um, however, this episode covered mediumship, which, as we all know, I'm a huge proponent for. And I... Couldn't stop watching. I finished it all today after I wrote the story. They had a huge focus on physical mediums, which are like the old school seances that I love so much to tell you guys about. The Wikipedia defines physical mediumship as the manipulation of energies and energy systems by spirits. But in our terms, it's when a medium is able to make a spirit manifest itself in a multitude of ways in front of an audience, either by knocking in the room, moving objects about the room, and sometimes actually appearing in the room, and maybe or maybe not producing an ectoplasm, which one lady says is very painful to produce, and it comes out of all of your orifices, including your no-no spot. Oh. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So the, the show introduced me to the existence of one Franek Kluski, a Polish man who would perform physical medium seances back in the old-timey days, but with a twist. And that story goes a little something like this. Most of his early life was largely unremarkable. He had a family, many friends, served in the military, had a varied poetry writing career, and even attained a coveted position on the board of a prominent bank in Warsaw, Poland. However, bubbling just below the surface, Franek was, allegedly, an incredibly gifted medium. Kluski never performed publicly as a physical medium. He gained no profit from it and gave it up after a rather short-lived and intense series of experiments, mainly between eight, 1918 and 1925, in that period of those old-timey seances I loved so much. Um, and this is what makes this story so interesting to me. 
He was primarily a banker with an indifferent interest into the paranormal. He really didn't care about it. It wasn't anything that intrigued him. This was just a gift he was given. For those that were lucky enough to attend one of Klusky's seances, they say they usually begin with knocking sounds and reverberating from various points in the room. And as the knocking grew louder, vibrations moved the furniture. Klusky sustained physical injury and illness during his seances. There you go. Ectoplasm hurts. That's the code word for this show. (laughs) Use promo code ectoplasm hurts. Sometimes he appeared to be so sickened that observers believed he might die. But by the next day, he would be fully recovered. So he gets a paranormal hangover. I get the day after I investigate, no matter how late I'm up, even when I do these short little investigations for friends and family the next day i'm just fucking wiped so he's much better off than i am and this is where it gets really interesting and why i even chose this story today i have a hair on my nose (laughs) i have a lot of hair on my face (laughs) um klusky was able to materialize hands wrists and other body parts as alleged ectoplasm and plaster molds were made when an apparition, typically humans, but occasionally animal, in its ectoplasm form, would submerge a body part in a bowl of warm wax. I mean, everybody did that as a kid where you'd like stick your finger in a candle and then you'd get the wax coating on it. Yeah. And you'd pull it off and it would be the shape of your finger. Were the... Ec- at the seance. So at the seance... He brought wax, and then the wax made body parts. Where did... The the spirits would dip their hands and feet into the, the warm wax, pull it out, and then there would be this form of these body parts. Ah, so the ectoplasm is basically what he was calling whatever this stuff was that made the imprint. The, the manifestation of these... These spirits. Interesting. Like I said, often impressions of hands, wrists, and other body parts were created. However, they were... And then they would turn them into plaster casts. Wow. So they would actually have a physical form of these spirits' body parts. However, they were so incredibly fragile, many didn't even survive long. There are pictures of them all over the internet. I know what you're thinking. Houdini would have none of this shit. Right? But what got me were the photos they showed on Surviving Death of these plaster casts of children's hands and feet when there were no children present. So who was doing those? Huh, Houdini? Mm. Okay. Klusky also manifested animals, humans, and other creatures. According to a report in Psychic Science, April 1926, quote, accompanying him was always a rapacious beast, the size of a very big dog of a tawny color, with slender neck, mouth full of large teeth, eyes which glowed in the darkness like a cat's, which reminded the company of a maneless lion, unquote. A common apparition was called Pithecanthropus, maybe, 
Yeah. Observers <laughs> described it as a primitive man or humanoid ape with, quote, long tangled hair, an impish spirit, and a strange tendency to smack its lips together. Although it was intimidating and quite large, those who saw this manifestation reported that the being appeared to be good-natured, although dim-witted. I mean, did this guy manifest Bigfoot? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Me thinks yes. (laughs) Maybe it's a little Bigfoot. Little baby. Little baby Bigfoot. It is also of note to mention that activity surrounding Frannick was not limited to when he participated in seances. In fact, phenomena was often said to flutter around him, similar to poltergeist activity. Small fires would allegedly appear around him, and most unusually from inside his own mouth. Ow. Oh. Sometimes people would report seeing a strange light haze or light spots around him as he slept or was engaged in highly emotional activity. Making his own poltergeist activity. I got to stop being so emotional. (laughs) His apartment was also said to be busy with unexplained noises and activity like a typewriter typing by itself. And people often reported a scent of ozone following him. I smell that ozone shit. I know there's a ghost. Do you, do you know what ozone smells like? Like uh, the the uh, like the ET ride at Universal. It smells like electricity to me. Uh. You know, like if old school TVs when you like turn them on and turn them off, and there would just be like that smell of electricity. Huh. Very rarely do I smell that on investigations, but when I do, I'm like, oh shit, is about to go down. Interesting. My husband has recently started wearing a CPAP machine in the cleaner. Smells like ozone. So that could also be the reason why the activity is up in my house. Okay, so the skeptic in me wants fingerprints taken from these casts that are still out there and compared against anyone in the room, which they're all probably dead at this point. But the believer in me is in awe and wishes I could have sat in on the Bigfoot seance more than once. (laughs) The Wikipedia claims that once, more than one source, source, words are hard, heard a confession from Frannick that it was all a fraud. But who knows? Some people will do anything to sell a book. So if you don't mind, if you could buy my book, it's called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. It's available on Amazon in paperback in Kindle formats. So there you have it, kids. The kind of cool, totally freaky story of Frannick Klusky. My wingmen were surviving death on Netflix. All of them except the first one. The Wikipedia, astonishinglegends.com, spiritualpathspiritualistschurch.org, and paranormalscholar.com. Dot com. I feel like, why, like why are people not... Why, why, why are we hearing a single case of this. It's like the stories where we hear these one, these instants in history. And it's like, if this worked for one person, why is it not working now? Like, why are people not trying this? Maybe that was just his gift. I don't know. And he, he tried not to make a big deal about it. He never did public things. Mostly the seances he would do and would be in front of his military buddies. Yeah. And they document it. There's several books out there on it. Did I read any of them? 
absolutely not. <laughs> um, but it was still super interesting because I'd never heard of that before. And I do highly recommend um, Surviving Death on Netflix. I, I mean, I cried during some of these medium things. And I'm still not sure why they didn't contact my girl Tiff to be on there. But it was... it. The two episodes dive fully into mediumship and what the different kinds of mediums are and what they can do and and how there are like classes on how to become your own medium. So you don't have to go to a medium to talk to the dead. You can talk to them yourselves. Another one was on reincarnation. Wow. Uh, it, it's just very well done. I won't watch the first one unless you all let me know that after the lady almost dies, it gets better. I, I water and and death and almost drown. I can't do it. It's just, just the, the thing. Line. I don't know if I died about a, pa- a past life drowning. I don't know what it is, but it's just like if there's a scene on TV where people are about to die and they're underwater, they like fall out of a plane. I like I can't breathe until they're up breathing again. It's just stupid. <laughs> Jeez, that's so interesting. I highly recommend the show. I know you're not a series watcher lately, but I I, I really think you should watch this. I uh, I need to give it a shot. I have so much to catch. I gotta watch that and the Night Stalker and this Elisa Lim documentary coming out. There's so much shit that I have to watch. Night Stalker. I have one episode left. So <sighs> so well done. I need so to watch it all. Well so done. it's like four episodes, isn't it? It's short. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super those. Short. I'll, I'll watch the shit out of that. Give me those. Give me those two to four episodes. Surviving Death is only like four or five episodes as well. Oh. So I it's like not like little, it's 20. The micro binge. I like that. I can get down with that. Yeah, me too. I do have a listener story. I know we're over on time, but this is kind of time sensitive because they reference a couple episodes ago. Um, it starts off with, hi, I just listened to your most recent podcast this morning. In the section where you guys talked about sometimes it's the living that haunt a place and to basically don't be a dick to the dead reminded me of something that recently happened at my mom's home. This actually covers something we talked about even a few more episodes before that as well. So he goes on to say, about a decade ago, my dad passed away in his sleep at home. He was cremated and his ashes are in a nice container at my mom's house. He's always been on top of a cabinet that's in the living room. My younger brother still lives at home with my mom, and about a year ago, he bought a new and larger and nicer cabinet to replace the one that's in the living room where my dad is at. My mom and brother thought it would be all right that they put my dad's ashes inside of the new cabinet. It has fancy glass doors, so not like they'd be hiding away my dad's ashes, lol, as they thought it looked nice with him being inside. Well, my dad thought differently. That night slash early morning, my mom and brother were woken up by sounds coming from the family slash computer room that my dad spent many an hour there when he was alive. They both got up to investigate and found an old Scooby-Doo Valentine. You know, those ones where you press the paw and it starts doing a dance while a song is playing and Scooby's singing along too. I love that shit. And I love that it's Scooby. It was a little gag gift my dad got my mom for Valentine's just before he passed away. It never has gone off by itself before, and it's been years since it was even activated to play. So after Scooby finished his song and dance, my brother played with it for a minute, pushing the paw to play, 
and pushing it again to make it stop. It looked like it was in good working order, so he set it back where it was, and they both went back to their rooms to sleep. Well, I'll give you a guess what happened next. Yep, the devil. LOL, JK, smiley face emoji with laughing tears. <laughs> I love when people use emojis so I can sound like um, Apple CarPlay reading a text to you. Smiling emoji with laughing tears. Um, it was an hour or so later and Scooby decided to put on an encore performance. My mom and brother got up again and when they saw what was happening again, they both realized that this is probably dad trying to tell them that he's not a fan of his new setup. My brother took my dad out of the cabinet put him back on top like he was on the old cabinet, and Scooby has been quiet ever since. Hope you enjoyed this experience oh, my wow. mom and brother had with my dad, Jason Smith. Love it. Ugh. Ugh. More, please. I want more stories like that. I love it. I love it, and I love to hear that there is some weight to the idea that, uh, you know, to be remembered and uh, oh, yeah. to just not you be an asshole. watch that show. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh well, I love the fact that he was cremated, and he's still moving shit around because he wasn't happy where he was put. So yay! Yep. Remember that story? That must have been just Ugh. a supernatural thing. We'll leave it at that. But guys, send us your stories, oddityfilescrew at gmail dot com. A big shout out to our executive producers Doug Malden Locke, Ryan Hoke, and Donald Blanchflower. Check out us on all this stuff and all the things flow.page slash oddity files. And kids, where does the new cool? Buy Kitsy's book, Ghost On. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that little plug at the end of my story? Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network. We hope we're just what you needed. The podcast is brought to you by the Oddity Files TV show. Have you heard of it? Have you watched it? Head on over to Amazon Prime Video and check out Oddity Files, a three-season investigative paranormal show. Music provided by James Grice. Please support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Give a little, give a lot. It helps support the podcast. And we appreciate our producers, Donald Blanchflower, Doug Malden Locke, and Ryan Hoke. We have a merch store. Can't get enough of Oddity Files? Wear us on your body. tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Please support our partners. Every little bit helps. Rate review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. It's what helps us get the word out there. And you know, we can always use a new weirdo or two. Come hang out with us on our Facebook fan group. Just search Oddity Files fan group. All kinds of fun stuff. You can win things. You can read memes. You can buy cool shit. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Okay go. I'm done. What are you still doing here? Just get out of here. God, I love Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs>